were talking about the fact that, uh, you know, many people have had these telepathic uh, messages from encounters. And during these telepathic messages, it's based on taking care of the planet. We just had a major climate, UN climate report uh, backed by 244 scientists, 14,000 white papers, scientific papers. And what I just said to Bill before this went live was, uh, where's, okay, we get, maybe we get these messages, but where's the game plan on how to fix? Uh, why didn't they just add a little game plan? I want to remind um, the listeners of something that Dr. Jeffrey Bennett said on this show. I've, I've repeated it a, num- a number of times. And that is if a future like advanced advanced civilization with technology can get through the bottleneck of technology without destroying themselves they will travel the stars so you know it's a fragile time for us basically and you know maybe that's why these messages have been coming maybe there was uh you know more of an expectation for us to fix what's going on than we have i'm not sure Martin, let me ask you this question, because I've always thought about this, and I know a lot of other people may possibly think on these same terms. If if we were being visited, let's just let's just use the grays as for this specific example. Thousands of years from now, it, due to our evolution and because of the climate issues, and potentially as the Earth becomes warmer and the surface becomes uninhabitable. And we have to become underground dwellers over thousands of years of evolution. Is it not possible that we may kind of resemble grays? Think uh, about be, it. We'd be muddy. I mean, <laughs> but I'm saying the gray skin from lack of sun, the big eyes, lack of sunlight, you're, you're underground dwellers, our appearance would change. I'm not talking about 100 years. We're talking thousands of years of evolution. Yeah. And they say that, you know, are the sizes of our cranium, the brain will get larger. I mean, is it possible? Is it out of the realm of possibility that it, these could be visitors from the future? Well, I wonder brains? if Michael, Dr. Michael Masters ever talked about the possibility of underground. But I, I don't really get how things, how you could survive underground without sunlight, uh, you know, for food and you they got I mean? bunkers now, Martin. They've got doomsday bunkers now. The government is fully prepared um, with facilities. I know, but for, for food, I'm talking about food. You know, food's an issue. Um, just for the people that didn't hear this, um, um, and I do apologize for the people that have to hear it again, is uh, we're going to be at uh, Pine Bush yes. September 4th, and it's going to be great fun. Uh, we're going to be hanging out with Mark D'Antonio, uh, Richard Dolan, Lee Spiegel, and uh, the museum. You want to catch the museum at pinebushmuseum.com. Uh, tickets are going to be available there. And I also did want to mention that uh, the blog this week is UFOs and Creatures in the Mountains of Taos, New Mexico by Charles Lear. It's a real amazing uh, blog. You should check it out. Very strange, very strange encounters. Um, so moving on, Bill, um, I, I just think it's, you know, it's very interesting that all this time, you know, for many, many decades, people have said that, you know, that they have this message, you know, to take care of the planet. Well, maybe they stay if I'm just saying I'm just using one example here. And this is, of course, speculative, hypothetical, 
I have no, you know, there's okay, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to, I want to, I want to address someone here. Okay. Okay. Please, for the love of God, leave politics out of this discussion. Not, from Jay Allen. What does this have to do with politics? It has to do with humankind, not politics. If you want to make it political, have fun, have a nice no, life and make something not, like that. I don't know political. how that got into the uh, equation. Here's another one. Dave Altman, no politics. Dave, you? This is politics? What's politics got to do with climate change and destroying the planet? No, no, what, you, Dave. I think it's more because it's science. It, 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 whether it's human cause, the planet goes through its cycles. Um, we know that scientifically every few thousands of years, the planet goes through cycles, regardless. But eventually, because of the sun, the sun itself, this planet will become uninhabitable. At some yeah, well, point. there's Millions nothing of we years, can do about that. Yeah, and we, eventually we may have to go the probability off world to continue the species, the the human species to go out. Oh, oh, oh! I I apologize to everyone in chat. Oh boy, I really blew it. What did someone you do? Was, someone was talking about politics. Oh, <laughs> it had nothing to do with me. I'm okay. so sorry. I really apologize <laughs> to all you people. Dave is going to get read them the riot act, and they were talking about someone else. Boy, I'll tell you what, the phone line is up there, 855-472-5483, if you want to call and give me a hard time. Martin, one um, quick thing, though. Is any update on International UFO Congress? Uh, yes, I've been waiting to hear from Karen. Uh, it looks like she may have commented to me. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, Karen, I'm going to try to get her, Karen, who runs the International UFO Congress, I'm going to try to get her on next week. And uh, Bill, let me just... Uh, you. Just uh, say hi for a minute to everyone, and I'm going to just reply to Karen real quickly. I'll be right back. Also, I don't know if uh, many folks are aware of this. I'm sure many of you are, because one thing about uh, the folks in this chat for Martin's show, you guys are incredibly informative, and it's great to have the varying opinions. It's it's excellent. I mean, whether you agree or disagree, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's – sorry about uh, giving those guys a hard time. I, I was going to, Martin, if you want to continue about UFO Congress um, before the other uh, topic I was going to bring up is that's the Galileo project. Yes. Globe. So uh, is the, it going to be a, what's going on with the International UFO Congress? Is it going to be live in person, virtual? What's the status of that? Um, it, I just uh, I just heard from Karen and okay. that's going to be announced next week. OK. Yeah. So All right. We'll, we'll wait for that. And going back to the Galileo project. Project. That's another topic I think is fascinating. And someone wrote me, oh, no, uh, Seth Shostak joined that with Avi Loeb and all that, you know, from from SETI. But I don't, you know, after figuring out exactly what he is planning to do, um, you know, I think it's kind of funny that Avi Loeb says it's very possible that we had, you know, basically a UFO coming into our solar system. And Seth Shostak decided to join him in the Galileo project, but it seems like actually a good idea. Um, we hadn't, you and I have not really read about it thoroughly, but it seems like they're going to be working together actually through different types of signals. And now the footprint of some type of technology is what, uh, you know, Avi Loeb is, is going to be his segment of it. And this is not a grant to, to Harvard. This is private funding. And some uh, billionaires kick some money in. At least two that I read. Yes. Yeah. Um, but on the website for the Project Goal, if you go to the website, um, Galileo Project Goal, it does say that, Martin. It says, this ground-based project is complementary to traditional SETI. 
and that it searches for physical objects and not electromagnetic signals associated with extraterrestrial technological equipment. So there does seem to, to be common ground here with SETI and what they're doing um, at this Galileo project. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I think, you know, if it makes sense, it makes sense. And, and, you know, a lot of times I've criticized Seth Shostak. The only thing I really criticize or think he should be criticized for is his closed mindedness to the possibilities that, you know, we may be visited. We're definitely being visited by something. And he has just, uh, uh, you know, he says that he needs more uh, enough evidence that would fill a wing in the Smithsonian Museum with parts of UFOs before he believed that we're being visited. The you good know. thing about this, I mean, you 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 can agree with what the direction that he's going with this or not, okay? But I think it's great that scientists broaden their research because a lot of this uh, is considered taboo. You once you use the acronym UFO, a lot of people tend to fall back from it. I think it's great that they're having a more open mind and broadening out the research and looking at all these different venues. Um, I, I don't see any issue with that personally, Martin, in my opinion. I don't. I think it's a good thing that they're, they're looking uh, yeah. from specifically this point of view and the research that's involved. What do you think about that? You think it's a good uh, thing? I do. I do. You know, I mean, I, I can't remember who it was I spoke with, but, you know, it's better than doing nothing. The only issues I have, again, like I say, is has to do with the closed mindedness of um, the possibility of it being more than just whatever they think it is, you know, I mean, they brush it off as like um, everything can be explained, that type of thing. Um, so that's the only bone I have, you know, they're, they're looking for radio signals, you know, that there may not be any radio signals, maybe advanced technologies are going to use something else besides radio signals. But if Agreed. they're open to other ways of checking technological, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, footprints, then that means at least they're open-minded enough to do that. But it's also interesting because why wouldn't, I mean, look at the Voyagers. They're out, out of the solar system. They're, they're going into deep space now. Why is it out of the realm of possibility that another civilization out there isn't doing something similar and sending probes throughout the galaxy, galaxies, yeah, I, I see no reason why we shouldn't be looking for that kind of technology that might be out there that they sent toward us the same way we're sending stuff outward. I, you know, yeah. I, from that point of view, I think it's a logical conclusion that you can possibly look for this technology somewhere out there. By the way, we do have a call. You want to try to bring them on, one on right now? Yeah, why not? Uh, you want to bring them on live while we're both here? Yeah, bring and them on just, live. And then I'll get take on. another chance. Yeah, I'll take another <laughs> okay. chance. Why not? Here we Let's... go. All right. Uh Caller, you are live. You are hot on the air. We have no idea who you are, where you're from. Could you please give us your first name and your location, please? All right. Uh, try this again. I'm Bear from Kentucky. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the good show. Bear. I'm doing good. Sorry about that earlier. Uh, I was, I'm at work, um, but I heard about the topic and I felt really compelled to call in uh, because I specifically had an encounter when I was uh, uh, a smaller child, I would say probably around five years old, where I was visited in my sleep uh, and I was shown a precognition of um, a catastrophic fire in 
my hometown. And lo and behold, I woke up the next morning for that to have come true in the field behind my house. I seen it all directly happen. It was shown to me. It was explained to me that this is because of, uh, of, of what's happening to the planet. And it always, you know, I, I have been listening to paranormal talk radio since I was 11 years old. Um, I used to listen to Art Bell constantly. Um, and he would talk about, you know, they used to call it global warming, but it, you know, this, and, and I couldn't picture a, a more politically different person for myself from our, you know, to our bell, but you know, it, because it crosses those, it's not a political thing. It's a human thing. Um, and now it's, it, it's a cosmic thing because we have people all over the world, you know, experiencing it every day. Um, these ET visitors are coming and they're trying to tell us, you know, what's happening to our planet and, and, and what we can do to stop it. Um, but I, I think that uh, the, the the cabals and the higher ups and the, and the deep state government are trying to keep that suppressed because they want us to lose this planet faster, so that we are more motivated uh, to work hard and be subservient to their ends. Mike, may I may I comment on what Bear yeah, said? Yeah, go ahead. Bear, yeah. it's great that you called in. Um, it's great to actually speak to you on on the air. Um, uh, I, I'm raised a Catholic. Now I had instances with some experiences when I was young too. And I used to argue with my mom, which was not pleasant. I used to say, is God an extraterrestrial? Okay. This is, I'm like seven years old. I have no idea, but how do we know it's extraterrestrial? How do we know it's not a divine guide, spiritual in nature? Um, how do we discern the differences of what the source may be? That may be giving providing these messages to all of us did you ever contemplate like uh for yourself for your own experience um those different possibilities actually yeah um and i i can't say with myself you know for myself with any certainty whether it would be a divine intervention or an extraterrestrial or interdimensional uh, you know i was raised uh, a southern baptist i've seen uh, what I believe to be demons in the world. Um, I've seen all kinds of, of spiritual beings, both light and dark. Um, and but yeah, it, it could have very well been, been some sort of divine intervention, an angelic intervention or, or a demonic one perhaps. Uh, but, but there's, there's, but you know, as far as, as visitors coming and, and delivering telepathic messages to people, uh, specifically regarding, um, you know, the health of the planet, that's, that's definitely something I've experienced from a young age. Very interesting. And like Martin said earlier, when the show started, there are a lot of individuals that have similar experiences like yourself um, that are discussing this um, openly now. I think more openly now than ever before, because I don't think people are ridiculed for coming forward and discussing their experiences like it was decades ago or even a few years ago. So it's great to hear people like you come forward and discuss it and uh, bring your, you know, your experiences and your accounts um, to the public forum. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, I know that it was, you know, yeah, you know, coming out, uh, quote unquote, to, to my, my family and my wife was, was not as big of a deal as I had foresaw uh, it being. And, and I even got a lot of, you know, well, I've seen stuff too, and I've experienced things as well. 
Well, uh, interesting, Bear, and thank you for calling in to Martin's show and supporting Podcast UFO, and uh, we look forward to having you call back again uh, in a future show, Bear. Yeah, thanks for the call. Uh, Bill, how is this going to work? Are, are people calling I'm in? I'm leaving, yes. I need to leave. People are calling in, and I want you to okay. get all these callers because this is your show for Open Line. So, folks, I am saying goodbye to all of you. God bless all of you. Have a, Enjoy the show. And my love to everybody in the chat and listening on KGRADB.com. All right, Martin, right. I'm out of okay. here. Bring me out. Yep. Uh, actually, I have to I have to keep you in because I have to keep you in, Bill, because if we're taking calls. Um, so I'll just do this type of thing here. All right. Um, so the number's up on the line. And it looks like you have Mark D'Antonio's picture or something up uh, in your. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, I guess we do have some callers calling in at 855-472-5483. I mentioned earlier when we thought we were live and we were not live that uh, the former senior minister of uh, Canada's national defense, Paul Hellyer, passed away on the 8th. Um, And I uh, he seemed like a really good guy. I never actually talked to him. I did have some email correspondence with him. Try to get him on the show. He was always very busy, but. He was someone high up in the level of uh, Canadian, uh, um, their their uh, organization, their defense organization, that actually, uh, you know, made a difference in the UFO world. Not everything he said was uh, exactly accurate because he was following some people that had some inaccuracies. But um, his his heart was in the right place, and unfortunately, we lost him on August eighth. We have Chris calling from Philadelphia. Chris, welcome to the show. You're live. Thank you, Martin. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to have you on. Thanks for the call. Thank you. And I wanted to thank you for everything you do for the UFO community. You're, you're our most valuable player. <laughs> hey, well, thank you very much. That's very nice of you. So what would you like to talk um, I, about tonight? The floor is yours. Yes, I just have one question and I'm going to hang up. Sure. Uh, it has to do with that report to Congress that the Navy gave in June. And my my question, which is very simply, does the uh, government have any credibility after the many years of all the different disinformation? Hmm. Uh, that my opinion on that, does the government have any credibility? Well, uh, we know for sure that the government has lied about this topic. We do know that for sure. And um, a lot of times when things have to do with what they consider uh, national defense, they will lie in order to so-called uh, protect um, the public. I don't know if a lot of this stuff would fall into that category or not. Um, I do. Uh, I do wonder about, how much we're actually going to know about this topic, how much they know even behind closed doors and how much we'll actually ever know about it. So I think I've said this a number of times. I think that they probably do not know exactly what's going on. So that might be the reason we're not going to know everything they know, because um, there would be that, you know, the idea that we can't be protected somehow, our skies can't be protected or preserved from whatever it is going through it when it wants to go through it. So um, I think uh, 
I, I guess I would have to say that I don't really think that they could be relied on to be totally credible. And if anyone would like to, uh, uh, you know, go on on that debate. Are you still on the line or are you gone? I think he's gone. But anyway, if someone else would like to, <laughs> he left, Bill said. All right. So anyway, there, there. that's my thoughts on that. Um, and I don't care if anyone would, would like to call in and uh, challenge that and uh, give their opinion on that as well. Uh, Jay, we have Jay from Michigan. Welcome to the show, Jay. You're live. Hi, Martin. Hi. Martin, uh, there's a new. Hi, there's a new production on uh, YouTube from a uh, Seven News Spotlight out of Australia. It's called the UFO Phenomenon. I believe the newsman's last name is Calvert. Yes, uh, he was our he was our guest last week. And okay, this this just oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Um, I I you know, unfortunately, I did not get to watch that ahead of the show I had with him last week. It's a fantastic, you're right. It's a channel seven Australia and it's called UFO phenomenon. And I watched it last night and it is incredible. It's a great, great video. And I think that's what you were basically, basically going to say, right? Yes. And I, I thought it was a blockbuster show. Yeah. It's very good. What I found interesting, what I found interesting to me was that, uh, it gave a lot of credibility to the story of uh, Terry Lovelace and Jonathan Wagon, the Marine. Uh, there is uh, parts associated with a woman, Anne, and the two federal service officers who were interrogated and put through a pretty rough time. Um, and I found that uh, pretty pretty amazing. And I, I would hope everybody would uh, go to YouTube and watch his show. It's basically about what went went on in Australia and I, I would label it a blockbuster. So I just wanted to mention that part. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And um, yeah, that is on YouTube. It's free to watch and it's, it's really good. And if you missed the show that I had last week with Ross uh, Coldheart, uh, please do check it out. I've, I think I've gotten more feedback from that than I did when I had Lou Elizondo on um, getting a lot of really good. And feedback. I think I did watch your show, Martin uh, with him and I, I enjoyed it greatly. Yes. Hey, well, thank you for the call. Thank you, Martin. And we have the lines are open. I can't believe we have the lines wide open. We have a, like nine lines we can fill up. So that number again is 855-472-5483. Uh, give us a call. Bill is standing by, or I might have to pull him back in here to keep the conversation going. Um, I would love to hear from you if you'd like to talk about the opinion that I had that I thought was controversial at first, but it wasn't. <laughs> And that is, you know, the climate change report and the people that are are uh, have been saying many times over the years that they've had telepathy about that. And uh, my question was, uh, why didn't we get a book on how to fix it? Why didn't we get messages? I got a question. Free energy. You. I got a question for you. Yeah. Is there any news or updates about the supposed 20 something minute video that's supposed to drop? No. Uh, no. And um, I, I could I, I will reach out to Lou Elizondo because I'd like more information about that. And that was kind of like a teaser. But I got to tell you one thing about Lou Elizondo. When he says that something's going to happen, you know, it's coming up every single time it something does come up. And, you know, he, in other words, he's not BSing everybody. 
So we should be able to expect that fairly soon. And I'll make a note here to uh, contact him and just find out if we have any expectations when that might be coming out. Also, there are two series now out there available. Yeah. One is on Showtime called UFO by J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Four part. And there's another one on Netflix. I can't recall the name. Um, yes. I, I started watching with UFO Steven. projects or something like that. Yeah. So it'd be interesting for the callers uh, to give their opinions. If you've seen these. Um, I started watching on. UFO projects. Alejandro Rojas is on there. Uh, yeah, I saw and all the other, you know, the regulars. <laughs> the regulars are on there. Dave Marler's on. No, wait a minute. I might be getting confused with uh, Marler was on the UFO thing I watched last. I'm watching too much UFO stuff, so I'm getting confused. <laughs> it's all a blur. But um, anyway, they're both. They're all good. Everything that's out. The J.J. Abrams one. Um, we were supposed to have uh, tonight. We we're supposed to have the producer and director on uh but one of them is traveling and couldn't make it so hopefully the 24th we'll get them on we may bring in kevin day too um who is featured. Day, right? i i i've spoken to kevin and um gary Borges. i mean these guys yeah. are amazing guys yeah really. yeah yeah kevin it's funny kevin actually watched my show i had with robert powell when the whole connection started, I mean, he, no one knew about his story or anything. I remember Robert Powell uh, wrote me like the next day and says, Hey, I got this uh, contact from a guy named Kevin day and he sounds legit. And by golly, he was totally legit. And I, I connected him with Leslie Kane and all that. So see you, Martin. We got another caller. We got a caller. Okay. Let me know who it is. All right. I gotta uh, do this. So anyway, um, the lines are open. We have plenty of lines. You can fill them right up. That number is 855-472-5483. And let's hear about your encounter. Let's hear your opinion on the UFO congressional report. Anything you'd like to talk about UFO or encounter related. If I get really desperate in the second hour, we'll go into ghosts if we have to. <laughs> but uh, let's try to stick to the UFO topic. Um Anyway, the feedback I've had, a lot of people that have given me feedback from uh, last week's show uh, with uh, Russ was uh, that they really liked the fact that, you know, a mainstream uh, investigative journalist, you know, with a lot of clout, you know, he's a he's Australian 60 Minutes host. Um, he's been around forever. He's award winning. Uh, and someone like that is is taking this seriously in people are listening to him. And I think that moves the needle forward. We have Gasper from California. You are live on the air, Gasper. Welcome to the show. Hi, Martin. How's it going? Good. How are you? Welcome. Good. Uh, earlier in the show, you were talking about um, the aerial school children. I think you were referencing that, how they brought up in their you know, conversations telepathically with these beings that there was a warning, a warning about us destroying our planet. And given with the report that came out yesterday, and to be quite honest, just looking in the news, Greece is on fire. We're about to have another heat dome here in the Pacific Northwest, while at the same time, there's now second year in a row in California, we have the largest wildfire two years in a row. Yeah. My question is, is there any speculation that you've heard 
as far as, you know, these beings seem to care enough to um, warn us or warn school children, um, yet they're not intervening in any way. Like, that's the one thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around. It's like they care enough to mention that there's this problem that we're causing, but that's where they kind of draw the line. Yeah, that's that's you, um, that's kind of what I was I was bringing up. Like, where is the playbook on how to fix it? And you know, uh, because obviously, um, you know, any type of intelligence is going to have to go through this type of thing unless they figure out a way around it early on. And uh, I don't know what other intelligence want to blow themselves up like we do. You know, maybe that's common. Maybe it's not. Maybe we're unusual that we want to have. 7,000 warheads aiming at each other, um, you know. So uh, I think that's all in the messages. And uh, But you're right, there's no, uh, would we be intervened with, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people, you know, kind of speculate because there's been, you know, intervention with nuclear warheads. Is that what would happen if we had an all-out, you know, war countdown? Would we be intervened with? Um, I don't know how any of that works. And this is all speculation. It's all guessing. And I don't I don't know. You know, I mean, are we going to be saved? Can we save ourselves? You know, that type of thing. It's uh, it's all question marks. One thing one thing I also thought about in relation to climate change and, you know, the UFO phenomenon is, you know, a lot of these defense contractors and reputable people talk about when they see this type of technology, anti-gravitic, extreme speeds, you know, that's the type of technology that I would imagine not just the United States, but the world would want to get their hands on because what better way to alter your climate, which is, you know, we put up carbons up in the atmosphere. The only way we're going to get it out is actually going up there in the upper stratosphere and start sucking that, you know, carbon, that methane, out of the atmosphere or even put um, sulfates or, you know, other particles that will help repel the sun's rays and help cool down the planet. I mean, obviously volcanoes could do that, but you know, we're, it's better if we control it than uh, wait for a mega volcano. So I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, this technology actually might also be an answer to healing the planet. It might have the ability um, to do that, but it seems like uh, they're still stonewalling for the from the government as far as wanting to tell us what they know or if they know anything. Yeah, you know, it's it's a you know the the saying for every action there's a reaction, and, and I don't know if you know if we did have control if we'd know how to control properly and tip tip it the other way and we'll go into an ice age. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's really it's really a very very tricky, I imagine, you know, because you just think about the uh, billions of years this planet has sat here and, and uh, you know, with undis- basically undisturbed except for natural occurrences like volcanoes, like you mentioned, and asteroids and things like that. But other than that, uh, you know, we haven't had uh, a change, uh, anything to change what's going on, certainly not animals, you know. Um, but anyway, all interesting things to ponder for sure. Absolutely. And just to all your listeners who, you know, maybe they're not following the climate change issues closely, 
one of the most disturbing things I heard was the last time we had this amount of carbon in the atmosphere was millions of years ago. You know, we're in a whole different paradigm here as a species. What we're about to see in the next 20 to 100 years, I mean, part of me hopes that they intervene at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, all we can do is try to do our part. Is your first name Casper? Gasper. Oh, uh, all right. E-R. All right. All right. Very good. Well, nice talking to you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you, Martin. Thank you for all you do. All right. I appreciate the call. All right. Next, we have Ken from Massachusetts. Welcome to the show. Ken, you're live. Hey, Martin. I appreciate the show. I love it. You're a great guest, and uh, I enjoy your topics that you have most of the time. And I also want to thank Bill, too, for his uh, Perseid Meteor UFO stream. I mean, not UFO, uh, YouTube streams, because those are fantastic to watch. Yeah. uh, Well, I'm sure I'm going to bring Bill. We did want to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to bring Bill back in a little bit later so he can he can talk about that. He says uh, thank you in the in the chat to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's it's really good. But like I said, I do like your show. And I just want to let you know uh, one um, one case that I think is really good and not many people talk about it is. The Norwood, Ohio case. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Oh, I'm interested in all, all cases I've never heard of. It's always fascinating. Let's hear about yeah. it. Yeah, it's um, uh, a priest had a church like Bizarre Affair. And this, I believe, was in the 40s, maybe late 40s. And, yeah, it was after World War II because they had, you know, they had the surplus, those big candle power lights. They had the search lights. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did that to try to draw in people to the fair like they did back in those days. And they had an actual operator, and they noticed a disc. It was hitting a disc above the above the, um, the fair. So people looked. I guess the fair went on for a bunch of days in a row, and there's a picture, actually, you can see it's on the Internet, of the light coming up, and it looks like it actually bends toward the object. And I've seen that type of phenomenon uh, spoken about during the uh, Westall case in Australia where the high school kids saw that mm-hmm. UFO in the 66, I believe. Yep. And that was explained in that too. One of the days, I guess, subsequent to the sighting, there was a UFO off the side of the road and the light from the headlight of the car actually bent towards the object. Almost oh, like no, that, I, I know what you're talking about. That was, that was in Australia, but that was on a highway and there was a, there was a man driving on a highway and the lights bent toward the UFO, but it was in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that on the YouTube show about, I guess that was subsequent to the the sighting that they had there, but I guess it was around the same time as the West hall. And that was the only time I saw a similar situation where the light bent towards the object, but that's really good. If you do some research into that, no one's really talked about it much, but that is a really, really great case. Let me ask you this. Did they rule out the possibility of some type of dirigible? Yeah, because I guess it was there multiple times. It wouldn't move with the wind. And actually, now this is going back. I looked into this years ago. There was, I think, scientists on site from uh, Chicago University, I believe, because I think it was in Illinois, Norwood, Ohio, but I think it was close by to Illinois. I can't, you know, remember exact details about it. But I know someone was there to observe it, like a physicist or so. And it was in the hmm. newspaper at the time. 
but wow. there was actually was a uh, there was a film that was made and it subsequently disappeared, where objects were seen coming in and out of this saucer-shaped uh, craft. Oh wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it would all it would take is, you know, one really convincing film that couldn't be doctored with, you know, to really uh, have a lot more people take this thing seriously. And it's funny when you hear about these things disappearing, there's a number of times the Big Sur, you know, missile strike from a UFO back in the 60s or 70s. When that happened, you know, that film disappears. You know, all these, uh, the film that the astronaut took or looked at, um, Gordon Cooper um, in the desert, you know, that film disappeared. You know, these all disappear to, you know, somewhere in the government. Who knows if they're in some, you know, warehouse tucked away somewhere and still exist. It would be interesting to see. My theory about that, about not having good photos of uh, film is, because if there's good photos of film, the government will get the hands on it and you will never see it. That's why there's no good films of, uh, or, uh, you know, photos. Look at the photo in the, um, I think it was Scotland, that those, those hikers took of that triangle-shaped craft, craft over, I think it was Scotland or Wales. And the English government still will not release that photo. Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, uh, I played a little clip from Neil deGrasse Tyson a couple of weeks ago, and in it he says, you know, I'll tell you why, you know, these UFOs, I don't know, I'm saying it, uh, I'm just paraphrasing, but the reason that there's nothing to this is because there's a billion cell phone cameras around, and why don't we have these on YouTube going viral, you know, these UFOs? Um, you know, uh there's a lot you could argue about that. First of all, of iPhones are not exactly the best film, uh, you know, filming device for something far away. They are because when you uh, broaden the focus, it's basically not it's it pixelates the further you go out. Um, the clearest you'll ever see it is the image you see when you're not expanding there or zooming. They don't have a zoom feature like, um, you know, a camera does. Um, so anyway, uh, what I'm getting at is, uh, um, you know, a lot of times when an encounter happens, quickly happens, you know, if a phone or a camera is the last thing the person thinks of. I know that I would have never thought of uh, when I had my UFO sighting, I would have never even thought if I had a camera beside me unless I brought the camera out purposely and set it down beside me. I would have never thought to pick it up because my yeah, my mouth was open. It's I was staring so at it. What am I looking at? You know, yeah, it's got to be so shocking that you're like, you know, I've waited all my life to see this and it's right here. And it's it's got to be I've never had an experience. I've been looking for years and years since I was a kid. Never have. But I can imagine if it, if it ever does happen, it's going to be just shocking. Like you, you won't even be able to move. Yeah. Well, for me, it was like um, I couldn't wrap my head around what I was seeing. And I think that might be the case for a lot of people that see something for the first time. And I wasn't even thinking about UFOs or anything. I just like, what am I looking at? You know, type of thing. And I think that's what might happen also. Although, you know, I've spoken to people that have had many encounters, uh, have seen a lot of things and maybe that's different for them. You know, they're prepared a lot of times and, you know, uh, but it's all, it's all good. The lines are open. I don't want to take up any more time. So you have a great day and I appreciate the podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Ken. All right. Talk to you later. All right. So the lines are open again. That number is 
1-800-285-5483. And if no one's uh, jumping on the line right now, I'm going to yank Bill back in because we have about five minutes before we go into the top of the hour break. And here he is. Actually, I was looking at chat. I just signed into the YouTube. But Brett makes a really great point. I have In chat? Yes. Okay, I'll look for his. I have a Sony A7S three camera. Um, it's over there in my case. But even with that camera, which is one of the best low-resolution, low-light cameras there are on the market, period, it is very difficult to discern objects when they're at a high altitude. Martin, I mean, I've seen many things, and I actually have a clip I would love to share with your audience, but this was not with my Sony. Now, I don't know if you could give me the capability of sharing my screen. Yeah, you can do it right down to the bottom. You can see you can share your screen right there. Okay, I'm I just give you permission. And we have uh, four minutes if you want to try to do it now. I'm doing it. I have it on my screen. So I'm going to do that right now. Share screen. And I'll let you do that. I captured this. I'm sharing now. Let me do it. You got to bring it up. All right. And I'm going to put this in full screen. So I go ahead have and talk to, about what you're seeing. We're seeing here. I started sky watching in 2014, but at that time, I was using a Samsung um, security cam, and I took the IR filter out of it. So it's very grainy. I've had many people analyze this video that everybody's about to see. Now, I see this thing curving down right here. See this little curve that's starting here? It's going to come down. It's going to come back up and curve into an open space. And I want people to see this. Now, remember, this is an old camera system. This was a black and white security camera. Now I have the Sony a7S III, which is incredible uh, piece of equipment. But I'm going to try to freeze this. this. I captured this over at my house. And I live in the Hudson Valley. But this was over my house, Martin. It's incredible. Um, and I looped it. You can see it's hard to freeze it. I'm trying to get it to freeze at the right spot. Okay. That that was over my house. That's way up there, Martin. That's high above the cloud layer. That showed up over my house in 2000, September 18, 2014. Now, now, I'm not saying that's an extraterrestrial craft. All I know is that's a UAP by definition. I don't know what that is. Can you Can you let it loop again? Yeah. Let me rewind it a little bit. Let me make sure. Oh, my screen. We're seeing the Let me mute it. Just in case. Yeah, that was. Okay. Sick. Now, what am, am I? It looks like I see some flashes behind it. Like that's, little, that's what is snow. That? That's snow from clouds. But if you look, there's a curve that comes down. You can actually see it curving up. Look right there. Curve. Curve. This almost it's, looks like the dust particles of, that they filmed off of the, uh, the space station. Well, this is. You know I what mean, I mean? I know this is above your house, but I mean. Yeah, it looks similar to. I that. mean, Martin, that is. I have no explanation. I've spoken to so many people, and they have no explanation on what that is. And on, on what that is, I've had so many conclusions from a meteor breaking up and bouncing out and back into space to Valerie Uvarov from Russia telling me that that's uh, a part of the Terminator program of things that we have in outer space to killer satellites and to, to take out meteors. I've had so many. I don't know if you're familiar with, um, I can't recall his name, Wilbur Allen. He did an analysis on that. says, Bill, you got a UFO or UAP. So I've heard so many different. But that's an example of something that you may see in the sky. But now I have better equipment. But Brett made a great point. 
even with good equipment, when something's so high altitude, you don't know, it may look like a satellite. It, it may be a plane, high altitude plane. It can be anything. It's really hard to discern an object when it's that high in altitude. It really is, even with great equipment on, on the ground. Now, like I said, the Sony a7S Martin is a really high-end camera. Um, and I see a lot of stuff all the time when I'm doing, like Ken mentioned, um, I do it all the time. And I see some peculiar things, but I'm not, I cannot say without real credible evidence, unless it's low altitude and I capture something and I could say, okay, now that just moved the 90 degree or it did something odd, or we can see the features. I cannot say what that is. You know, I cannot. So I'm just saying in my case, um, yeah. I'm not one to jump out and use clickbait and say, oh, it's aliens. Because it's, we. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I posted I someone in the chat said that. It's not but aliens think, unless it's aliens. Yeah. But I think a lot of people experience this kind of stuff and they witness stuff and it's hard to discern what they're seeing. It really is. Because even a, even a plane coming at you, because I speak to a lot of people at Pine Bush and even a plane coming at you, it just looks like the light is stationary. Yes, I've seen that many times. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I or, lived right near Pease Air Force Base in, uh, over in New Hampshire. So it's uh, really, I lived on the other side of the river. But, it's really difficult. I mean, but I would suggest people spend more time looking at the sky and doing other things instead of being hypnotized by your phones. It's a great, <laughs> seriously, it's a great hobby. Get yourself a camera, set it up outside. Um, if anybody needs help to set up equipment, I can help you. It's not hard. You need a capture card and a camera that can output to the uh, capture card. And then you could stream and you can do all this stuff and you could record. I think it's excellent that if more people uh, pay attention to what's going on above us, I, there's a lot more going on than we all realize because I see stuff all the yeah. time. This is Martin Willis and I've got Bill uh, with me here. We're taking calls and I'll put up that number. That number is 855-472-5483. Lines are open, right, Bill? Yes, they are. So, folks, call in so this way I can get off. No, I'm kidding. I love being on with Martin. <laughs> but, yeah, this is this is the Sony a7S III. All right, let me hang on a second. Let me pull you up full screen. And uh, for those of you listening to the audio podcast, you can imagine it's a camera. Oh, yeah. Pretty but fancy one, looking. Oh, yeah. But the one – I have an old Sony, too, the, the original Sony a7S. But the great thing about this camera, Martin – for those that may want to stream with a camera like this, is that it has a standard HDMI port right in here. You really can't see it. You might be able to see it in, right on the top there. Right there. The old camera had the micro, and I use it so much for Skywatches, this camera, that mm -hmm. the cable hangs. This has a nice locking system, too, on the cage where I can lock the HDMI cable to it doesn't put that weight on the camera. But this camera is great because of the standard HDMI on it. So that's an example of you could stream, Martin. Anybody can. You could just leave the camera out there on the tripod, have it observe the sky, like tonight, for example, and the next two nights. And call it. I will uh, answer your call shortly. Um Matter of fact, caller, I'm going to pause, put you on hold, and I will get to you um, as soon as I wrap up here in a second. So, so caller, just be patient a second. Um, the Percy's meter show is going on. Now, the peak is tomorrow night huh. um, into Thursday. That's right. You can see yeah. up to 100, Martin, on, if it's clear, if the weather's permitting. So I am 
tonight I'll be streaming on my channel, Bill NY Skywatcher, if the weather clears up tonight, tomorrow night, and Thursday night. And with this camera, because of the low light resolution, um, the ISO goes up to 400,006, I think it is. I can make nighttime look like daytime. Now, it'll get extremely grainy the higher I go with the ISO, but it's amazing how much you can see with this camera that obviously you cannot see with the naked eye. This camera picked up everything, Martin, and it's it's absolutely stunning um, to see all the meteors going on in the sky. And I have a wide view uh, lens, uh, field lens here. And I have other lenses too, but this one does a tremendous job for the sky watchers. So yeah, I would, I would, it's a great, it's a great hobby. And, and if you're taking it to something more serious for observations, yeah, this is, this is the type of camera you want to do that. Now I saw comments in your chat room, all your opinions can possibly the, uh, be the correct one when it comes to what I just showed on that video clip. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. it is. And every opinion is equally important. And I think I take- it's important to post, like a lot of times people will send me videos. I think it's really a great idea to post them in a public format um, just to, because someone might understand what it is. You know, the more exactly. eyes that look at it, someone might and be able to hear it you, I, my, my take on things is I'm skeptical, skeptical. I'm a skeptic, but I'm open-minded and I'm open to all um, critique. Doesn't matter if it's negative, positive. It, if somebody says something that says, you know what? They got, they, they, they might be on something. They're right. I want that input. I want people to let me know um, what they're thinking because it's constructive, well, let me ask you something on that video. I noticed it sort of looked triangular. And would that have anything to do with the camera lens, the aperture? Nothing. Remember, remember, this is an old security camera. Oh, okay. Samsung with the IR removed. Now, if I caught something on this camera similar to that, we would have seen a lot more detail. Yeah. Because the camera wouldn't have all that snow and it would yeah. just be a nice clear image. And that's what I'm hoping to do, Martin. You know, I, I think to myself all the time. Everybody talks about they need evidence, UFOs, all this stuff. I may actually one day, I may not, I may actually get something for real. Yeah. Undeniable. Now, of course, people will always be saying he photoshopped. They'll try to debunk it. But one day, I hope that if I get something low altitude or it moves very unusually, like 90 degree or something. I But then again, it, it could be a drone. There's yeah. other, you know, there's rational explanations. But I am looking for that one undeniable footage that says, okay, this is something. Not something that's grainy or it's somebody's moving the camera, you know, because that's a lot. That has a lot of effect. People are moving their cameras and it makes it Oh, yeah. Like- and the blurring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the zigzags and all that. I have this on a stationary tripod. It's just capturing the sky in real time. Let me ask you something, Bill. How can if you actually did film something today with that camera and it was an amazing sighting and it was clear as a bell, how would you prove can you prove that it was not doctored with? Well, obviously, if I'm streaming live, Martin, 
No, uh, oh, you're uh, let's let's say you're not streaming live. Let's just say you you just drop your camera well, out and you're you're filming and you happen to look I'm at recording, it. Recording. I guess I would have to send the original memory card to go under analysis that it's not tampered. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just have the thing is I'm worried about is this, and I hate to bring your name into this, but if I really caught something, I'm making copies and I'm yeah. sending it out to individuals so you all have a copy yeah send one to seth shostak because i i you know you never know you never know what might happen because if you really capture something and this could be military in nature because i'm not far from the national guard base um like i said i'm i'm a skeptic but i'm objective i'm open-minded but i will never ever jump off the cliff so to speak to say it's this, that, or that one, I don't know. Yeah, I need to. Go... I, I hear noises in the background there. What's yeah, that's it? my phone going insane. You know how when we're producers and stuff, we're always busy. But and I apologize for that. But I would send it out to people that I, I that I know that w- can analyze it. Um, but I definitely wouldn't send it to the media. Yeah, you know, it, it well, happened to me in the past. Yeah, have... well, would there there would be a place for that if it was if it could be backed up. You know, I mean, that would that would make the difference, right? I would rather send it to someone who's has a knowledge in analysis on video photo, like Mark D'Antonio for one, right? Oh, I definitely go to him for opinions. There's no yeah. doubt he's number one on my list. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, but I also go to other people as well. Yeah, you want to have multiple opinions, just like going to a doctor. You go for a second opinion if it's a serious diagnosis. You want another opinion, so I definitely go out to as many people as possible. But what I'm saying is, if you're not looking, if you're not observing, you won't, like you said earlier about if um, you're not searching for things, you, you're, you're never going to know. Yeah. So at least I'm attempting to do footage, you know, recording, live streaming of the sky because the Hudson Valley, I'm in the Hudson Valley near Pine Bush. You know, we hear so much about this being the hotspot for activity. I have a documented case. 1995, Martin, with uh, New Fork. And that's 1995, before 97, the Phoenix lights. Mm-hmm. I seen a boomerang. I couldn't really tell if it was a boomerang or triangles. It was at night. J- June 10th, 1995, in New York City, in the Bronx, when I was living in the Bronx at the time. Wow. And I didn't know who to... T- I wasn't into all this stuff. Like, you know, I wasn't. I mean, mm-hmm. as a little kid, you know, I talked about stuff, but I never seen anything. But that night at 11 o'clock at night, um, they had Pocahontas showing in Central Park. And it was there was a thunderstorm that night. And I love weather. I love looking outside the window and observing lightning. And, and all of a sudden, this thing goes over the house, right over the house, silent. And I'm like, what the heck was that? So I was looking on the Internet. You know, this is Windows 95 days. And I'm trying to figure out who I can contact about this. And I've stumbled upon New Fork. And Peter Davenport emailed me back a few days later. He says, Bill, you're not alone. Many people seen this from New York City up the Hudson River into Canada. I actually have a model somebody made me of what I seen. And it was the typical five bluish white lights. It was bluish white. It was not. It was like a bluish white tinged color, silent. And it went right over. I was in Mount Talk a few years later because I've been going to Mount Talk since I was a child. I go there every year vacationing. 
I had a, an incredible experience on the beach. Um, lights appeared over the ocean. A guy runs out of his house uh, that was past the dunes, and he, he says, I don't want to sound like I'm crazy or anything, but did you see what I seen over the ocean? I said, yeah. And I was with other people, including my mother, who ran to the hotel room because she was in fear of what was going on. So then I move up here, and I hear all about this Hudson Valley stuff. And I said, now I really, I really got to, you know, turn this up a notch. I was like everybody else, and I still am. I may be a producer at KGRA, and I'm blessed to be in company of you and all the, all the other great hosts out there. But I'm just like everybody else uh, looking for answers, trying to learn information, listening to everybody's opinions. Um, I'm just trying to learn, too, more about this topic because, Martin, I, I've experienced stuff myself. Now, I don't know what it is. Is it military in nature? Is it something else? I don't know. But I want to know the truth. And I hope before I leave this existence that we learn more about this. But I'm not. That's wishful thinking. I don't think disclosure is going to come. It's a slow drip, drip, drip. You yep. know. But is it actually going to come out? No, because it's national security. If you open that door, you're also, also opening Pandora's box to everything that happened in the past. And that's with right. the with the state of the the way things are today, that there is so mistrust within uh, government, what would happen if they were to come clean, saying, "Well, you know what? This happened. This, ha you know, forget about it. Everything else is on on the table. What about all the other things that happened? Like a big thing for me, Martin, was TWA eight hundred. I know this is a UFO show, but what happened? Off of, of, uh, off Long, of Island. Long Island, yeah, yeah. The With missile, all those witnesses, yeah. missile, yeah. You know, it's things like that. So that would open up all these different things that have happened in the past that people question. Yeah. Do you honestly think they want to do that? And again, on the national security guys, no way. They they don't. They're not. They will not reveal it if they can out. You know that you have civilians in Congress or president or whatever you think the military is going to tell them information in the age of leaks where they can provide information even in a classified setting do you honestly think they're going in willingly wanting to tell them what they know because they know think, yeah um so yes sir you're bringing up a good point and and that is you know what i i would really think that they really the military would love to wash their hands of this whole thing once again and uh and so be prepared for diversions right is that what we should be prepared for you know someone I, someone uh um i heard a rumor that one of the videos were i, I gotta watch how i say this one of the videos that got a lot of publicity was released purposely knowing that it was not a good video and trying to mix it up trying to discredit people that were looking at it seriously. So um, I don't know how much I can say about this. I was told this in confidence and, and it's a really good source, but, um, but I find that interesting and I, I'm not surprised. Think about this. There was a hundred and what was it? 143, 143 that, ex, ex, uh, unexplained and one explained. Other than the balloon. Okay. Yeah. 
do you honestly think they're going to release the details? Because then our adversaries, if they were to say it happened at such and such place on such and such date, they have data that goes back. They have satellite imagery. They will go back and see what is reported in, the, in this. If you make that public, our adversaries are going to say, okay, they just said where this happened. Let's see. Let's go back and see if our satellites picked up any activity. I'm just I'm using that just as one example. Do you honestly think they want to um, leave that out to the public? I don't. Yeah. Because that's national security. And I don't know people like Lou Elizondo. People say, well, why doesn't Lou speak up? Because he'll go to jail. He'll go to prison. He's he got to talk about so much. That's right. He's got a family. Hmm. You know, hmm. and we have to think he's a human being. And I'm just using it as an example. I'm not saying I'm pro or against, you know, I'm just saying if you look at it from a, a, a logical perspective, these people have to be careful what they say because they can get in a lot of trouble, Martin. Yeah. Um, so it's a compl- it's complicated. So do I think that we're going to see disclosure? I, there's, I don't think so. Now, unless there's a leak, uh, a, a video comes out or people step forward. And even if people step forward, they're going to right away attack them, destroy their credibility. They'll find any means to destroy them. Well, let me just let's just put out a scenario. Say Lou Elizondo decides to say a little more than he really should say. How would they make an example out of him? Would they try? You think they would try to discredit him? But they have already. Yeah, actually, you're right about that. The Pentagon denied for a while. A spokesperson denied that he had anything to do with the. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen the emails. When John uh, Greenwald, I mean. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they will do whatever it takes to make sure that people don't take you seriously. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, uh, I love the fact that you just shared those UFO encounters. That was really good. And I'm hoping that there are people that are going to call in and continue that or or talk about this subject. Did Do we still have that person on hold? No. <laughs> I, I, I went off on one of my rants. I apologize. That's all right. Me. No. But you know so, what? Let yeah. pe- I would I would really love people. All right. We have a caller now. I'm just going to bring the caller right on. Let's just. All right. It. Sure. Yeah. Tell me when they're live. They're on. Caller, you are on the air. We have no idea who you are, where you're from. Could you please give us your first name? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hi. hi. Um, I love you. I love your producer. I think you guys do a great show. Well, thank you. Um, What's your name? Oh, uh, Keith. Hi, Keith. Hi. I'm in New Jersey. Whoopee. <laughs> um, hello? Yeah, you're there. You're live. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, if you could bear with me, I need your help. Okay. All right. right. Um, I was thinking about it. I I'm hearing somebody else saying where I'm from in the background. Uh, Bill, we may have an audio issue, Bill. Okay. I'm Uh, hearing Bill, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Just try to ignore him if you can and, and, and you're on the air. So keep going. Anyway, um, my background is, you're still getting, Bill, Um, at least on my end. Um, My background is kind of stupid. Uh, I have a BA in religion, a BA in philosophy, uh, or a minor in philosophy and a BA in psychology. But I had a professor 
at, um, who had a PhD in religion and in um, psychology and was going for his PhD in physics. And one of the um, things he kept doing in his lectures, he kept uh, merging the different languages of these different disciplines um, to, to kind of uh, explain what was going on uh, in terms of what we're experiencing. Okay, so anyway, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this UFO phenomena and um, there's things like, uh, gosh, I don't even know how to start. Um, basically, what I discovered, uh, or at least I thought of, um, was there was a whole series of um, religious texts like Gopi Krishna, Paramahansa Yogananda, Muktananda, Play of Consciousness, Alexander David Nell, talking about tulpas, um, uh, poltergeist, uh, Robert Manmo, uh, Journeys Out of the Body, uh, Astro Projection in general. And um, so those are all indications that humanity has the ability to penetrate into the sort of interdimensional fields. Fine. So why can't these dimensions inter uh, interact with us and even manifest physically? Tulpas are uh, Alexander David Nell um, said were like uh, manifestations of the mind consciousness that um, would physically move things in the campsite and became annoying, or at least one particular, and so all the monks had to sit down and meditate to get rid of it. So the mind created that. Poltergeist is the same kind of thing, especially with the phenomena with uh, children. So I don't know how one approaches UFOs without understanding that not only are we able to penetrate that dimension, but they're penetrating our dimension and possibly being physical. And I, I kind of, it makes sense. It's a dialogue or a dialectic. And um, I don't know what you feel about that, but um, that was one thing. And the other thing about the environment there was tons of people who remote viewed, like Da Vinci did all the inventions, Chet Snow did Mass Dreams of the Future, Garden, uh, Gordon Scallion, uh, Michael Scallion did the whole thing with the maps, and there's all these other future maps by all these other people. Um, but these timelines never seem to manifest, but yet show Earth changes. Um, so... I don't know. Um, we keep getting, we do get information from other places. Um, but sometimes they manifest and sometimes they don't. But I think the key point of why I was calling was that um, you see, we are capable of penetrating these other dimensions simply by our consciousness. And that consciousness or that dimension is also capable of coming to us and manifesting. So throw the government out. I think the caller was right about saying um, basically 
that uh, the government, why, why would you trust them? It makes no sense. And it's also a distraction. Um, and I don't know how you feel about any of this, but um, that was basically what I was thinking about. Yeah. And I don't, and don't ever forget things like the uh, Baxter. Um, he did the whole thing with, uh, you know, he hooked up plants and he discovered they had uh, vibrations. And then yeah. there was other kinds of uh, experiments done with vibrations and all that shit was shut down. Yeah, right. No, no, I've, I've looked into that in the past. That's very fascinating. You know, I've, I've had people talk on this show that have talked about, you know, the dimensions and that the possibility of it. And I think that is definitely a possibility. And, you know, and then you mentioned something about we're possibly manifesting things. And, and I, I, I agree that could be part of it, too. I think it, there could be a lot of possibilities of what of, of what we are seeing. And, and interdimensional is definitely uh, part of the puzzle or, uh, you know, an idea of how the puzzle is. But anyway, we have four. I get. I guess it's four callers now on the line. Um, so thanks so much for the call. I really appreciate it. So we got them lined up. So uh, right, Bill, thanks a lot. Take care. Yeah. All right, okay, Bill. Introduce the next caller. Go ahead. Dave. Dave and Phoenix is on the line. So Dave, you're on the line with Martin Willis. Hey, Dave. You're live. Hey, Martin. Welcome to the show. Uh, Howard, I, I was starting to get my sea legs watching you on your boat those last few shows. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wondered how many people got seasick. Yeah. 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 No, I, I kind of miss it. It was nice seeing the, uh, the outdoors there. But yeah. just a couple of comments. Um, you know, talking about photographing UFOs, a few years back, Travis Walton had an event like back to back years, probably 2014 and 15, up in Heber Overgard, uh, you know, right in the area where his event took place. Mm hmm. The abduction event, that is, yeah. not the UFO event he had. And my wife and I were leaving the cabin that we were staying in, walking over to the venue. And we looked to the west, and there was just a super bright, strange light in the sky. Um, kind of started freaking me out, because at first I thought it was a helicopter. Turns out it was a missile launch mm. from the Pacific, from a submarine. Mm. And I was so stunned, so shocked by what I was looking at because I had never seen anything like that. I, I never even thought of pulling out my phone and taking a picture. Yeah. Now, my wife, who really doesn't have much interest in the subject at all, uh, we're walking back in and she's like, did you get a picture? I'm like, I, no, I didn't. She's like, oh, here, I'm taking my phone. You can... I, I got plenty of pictures. Yeah. So, you know, that's 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 all I have to say about that. It's just not every, you know, if you're, I think if you're into it, you might just not think of grabbing that phone. I would just want to yeah. focus on what I was seeing, you know? I, I totally agree. I, and, and I, I, I was one time I was in Boston in the uh, commons and I was walking with my son and a blimp was going over and you know how fast a blimp goes. It just barely moves. And by the time I got my phone out and the camera ready, the blimp had disappeared. <laughs> so, I mean, if you have a sighting that is happening just for a couple of seconds, you know, you're, you'll be really lucky if you can catch it. You know, right. get, get your sure. camera on, get get the whole thing going and, you know, all that. I mean, the phone's, you know, in my hand, you know, 
maybe 10 minutes out of every hour. At that moment, I never even thought of pulling it out. <laughs> That's right. Do you have Anything else? We got, we got a calls lined up. Anything else? Yeah, one more thing. Uh, yeah, sure. The, the Netflix docu-series mm-hmm. regarding yeah. UFOs. The thing that drives me nuts are the graphics. Uh, you know, they're talking yep, about yep. a ball of light in the sky, and they have these graphics flashing across the screen of these massive ships with all these lights, and it's like, you know, I think the attention span of the average adult, you know, can focus on the topic that's being talked about and not have to have these images of, you know, but Dave, spectacular things that... Dave, I've got yeah. a, I've got a, because uh, Travis, Travis, and I, I've met Travis, he stayed in my home. And that's the one thing that really bugged Travis was the Hollywood exaggerated interpretation of the events that unfolded. They don't need yeah, to. Absolutely. This is what they do yeah. to yeah. garner attention, to get viewers. That's what they do. That's how they attract people to look at yeah. it. Now, for people like Martin, myself, and probably everybody that's viewing and listening to this program that are more familiar with the, with the subject matter, we know, you know, we know the, the details and the innuendos, but for the, for the main public, for the, they're just trying to get them to get interested into it, and they give it that eye candy, so to speak, to, right, to, to right. make, you know what I mean? But for people yeah. like us, we're like, oh, come on now, really? And, and I think it's really where we need to give James Fox a, a ton of credit for, for his, you know, documentary phenomenon, because he didn't go into that, yeah. you know. Exaggerated. Matter of fact, of I thing. think Martin may comment on this part. When Randall Nick- or Nickerson, when he's making this movie with uh, the children, uh, the Zimbabwe case, he didn't he say on your show, Martin, that he's not going to use any, not much graphics at all. It's all going to be about them. Didn't he say that on your show? I, I believe sure. so. And and by the way, I get email every week about that. And I mentioned, I think I mentioned it last week that we will see that before the year is out. That's all I know. And it's going to be on a major, uh, yeah. I don't know how much I can say, but we will see it. Go ahead, Dave. If you're going to use graphics, even, even Seth Breedlove, did you ever, you know, his series yep. that he has on Amazon, yeah. Small Town Monsters, um, the graphics are relevant to what's being spoken about. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's nice. But that's it. Uh, thanks for your time. And Martin, uh, Heather does say hello again. Oh, hey, it's you. Oh, I didn't know what you yeah. <laughs> Good to hear from you. I'll say hi to Heather. All right. I will do so. Have a great right, night, Dave. Good thanks to talk to you. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Martin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. I hung All out right. with uh, with uh, him and his, and his wife. Remember the Norway spiral? and that Yeah, yeah. Thing, that was, was a missile launch. Out of control yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. And it happens all the time over California, Florida. Yeah, the the missile know. launches can be really spectacular. I had a friend. I should just tell this story real quickly. Go ahead. I met up with a friend, a longtime friend, and he was happened to be up in the area where I live. And he was out in Sedona, um, I think a month or two ago. And there was the Google something flying over. He didn't know what it was. All the lights were lined up perfectly. He thought for sure he was filming oh, a UFO. Starlinks, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Starlinks. Yeah. And um he I thought for sure everyone thought they were watching a UFO. He was so excited. It is way back to see it though, Martin. It is. It's wild to see it. They're all lined up. Sometimes there's two. It is. I actually pick up sometimes I see three satellites moving together. I don't know what they are, but it happens once in a while. I'll see three satellites 
moving together. It's it is interesting, but it's satellites. Anyway, yeah. we have Rob Rob from Pennsylvania is on the line. Rob, you're on with Martin Willis. Hey Rob. Hello. Hi. Hi, Martin. Hey Bill. Thanks for doing the show. I love it. Great. Um, with re- with respect to what you guys were talking about, disclosure by by the government earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, you're I, like, hear, I can hear Bill in the background as well. Uh, okay. So, Bill, just to let you know, can you are you able to mute yourself when uh, or, or something because uh, the callers are hearing you in the background? I don't know what you can do to change that. But anyway, uh, Bill, I don't know if you just heard anything I just said. We need to mute you when you're talking to someone or something. Oh, did you hear me just now? Uh, we didn't hear you, but the caller, uh, the callers are hearing you. Anyway, continue oh. on if you would, please. Oh, yeah. Um, well, about the, the government disclosing information, I I just felt like we shouldn't get our hopes up because it seems like we've been doing this for decades. However, if you do want more, we really need to get behind Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon. Um, you know, write your congressman, your senators or whatever, um, and try to help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's this thing about disclosure. People always talk about disclosure. Um, and in my opinion, we've already had disclosure. You know, if you look at all the things that have happened over the decades, um, even just from the 1940s or 50s at schools and other great events like 1952 in Washington, D.C., yeah. um, or the Phoenix Lights, I mean, holy cow. <laughs> and there's tons more. There's a 1976, uh, the Canary Islands. They had photographs of this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, uh, it just feels like uh, what we're looking for from the government shouldn't be necessary, but it's, I think it'll be a very interesting. Yeah. I think Bryce Zabel, who's been on this show a number of times, shared your view. He said disclosures already happened, you know, and this is, uh, I think he called it soft disclosure or whatever he calls it, but uh, a, a brilliant mind taking a look at this topic. But uh, yeah, for the government to actually, I mean, for what they've admitted, I think is a kind of a big deal, you know, but I don't know what it, what is the the definition of this type of disclosure? I don't really know. Does that mean that, um, you know, a majority of the population is going to believe that or believe, I don't know if believe is the right word or, or see the evidence or look into the evidence and, and, and not, uh, you know, just disregarded as nothing. I don't know exactly if if we can plan on that to ever happen or not. You know, I mean, the old saying about them landing on the White House lawn, I don't know why they'd want to land there. But anyway, uh, yeah. I don't know what, what it would take to convince the public. I do think that the public is much more convinced than ever. I was with my friend last week and we were at a house uh, to buy a patio set and uh, we were we started talking about UFOs and and uh, brought that subject up, I should say. And that that person like, oh, yeah, I know all about the Navy and, the, you know, the Pentagon. And like so that's just someone watching the news. And um, so it's very helpful when the media actually takes a serious look. I think it does make people want to get more curious about the topic. I agree. And I, I do. I also think 
like what you're talking about, that the media is taking it more seriously now. There's yeah. less uh, giggling going on and That's laughing true. when they're talking about it. That's true. Yeah. And great points. You make great points because I think there are two types of disclosures. One that we're waiting for the government to come out with. And yes, we see it all around us all the time. And going in, if you look back in history, like you said, 52 over Washington, D.C. I mean, come on. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's right there. I mean, yeah, but they were they were saying that was refra refractions or something. Yeah. I forget yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but as far as it, the the story goes, well, they should land on the Washington or on the White House lawn. They were everywhere, but you know they they were yeah. everywhere. The uh, <laughs> the the headlines for I think the I don't know maybe it was Washington paper, Washington newspaper. The headline, the main headline, was not for the Democratic National Convention as the Democrats wanted. They wanted publicity for their convention. It was about the flying objects over over Washington D.C. It was everywhere. Right. You know, I, I spoke to, I don't know if you've ever had him on the show, Martin. And by the way, thank you for the call, Rob. You're welcome. And Thanks. you have yeah. a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there's, there's, we have more callers lined up, but I spoke to, I'm a good friend with Dan Willis. I don't know if you've ever had him, uh, had him on. He was part of the 2001 um, hearing that they had in Washington, the National Press Club thing that Dr. Oh, yes. That was in 2000. Oh, and with Greer. Yes, it was. Yeah, okay. yeah 2001. Yeah. And he told me that it was a that this was big, Martin, for that time. They had a lot of interesting people on that panel. And he says, Bill, you know what happens? They were the media was covering it. And all of a sudden they lost all signal. Uh, he, he told me that they said all the media coverage stopped um, like it was cut. Wow. They didn't want that to go out to the public. That's amazing. I never heard I mean, that. Part. Yeah, he told me that, and I—I yeah. I mean, I can get get Dan Willis on the show. He's a former Navy, uh, retired Navy. He had a, he had a, he witnessed something while he was out at sea, um, and that's how he got involved in that whole disclosure. Yeah, no, hearing. I'd like to, I'd like to talk to him some. Uh, so yeah, we'll yeah I mean, him. there's yeah. so many people out there, so many credible witnesses, a circumstantial alone, um, let alone what like Rob discussed all these different cases where multiple witnesses, images, video, et cetera. Martin, it is soft disclosure. It's already around us. Yeah. I'm anyway, going to throw this out. I'm going to throw this out one more time. If anyone knows how to reach Alex Dietrich, um, all yeah. I can get is a, uh, she was the uh, pilot that actually saw the tic-tac off the Nimitz in 2004. I've been trying to reach her to get her on this show. And uh, all I have is a Twitter handle. Can't get anywhere. But anyway, uh, if anyone knows how to reach her, I would love to get connected Brief, with her. You continue. There's two more callers. I can't yes. take them until I have because I don't want nobody on the line to hear me. Your callers while I'm doing it. So I'll be right back. Yeah. All right. Uh, are you saying we have a caller now? <laughs> OK, I guess he was saying that he needs to talk to them. Uh, but we do have callers waiting on the line. And another Bill is uh, taking another caller right now. So uh, we'll get right to that caller in just a minute. So next week, just to let you know, I have uh, an interesting show. Uh, someone contacted me and said, hey, they know someone that uh, is called the Auction Professor or the Art Professor on YouTube, have, has a lot of followers. And he talked about having a Tic Tac UFO experience 30 years ago in Florida. So uh, he's going to be on our show next week. So uh, come back. Make sure you come back. It's the first time he's going to talk about it. Um, on a UFO show, we actually talked about it on his YouTube channel. Bill, are we ready for a caller? 
Bill, are we ready for a caller? Oh, yeah, we've got – I think we have all the callers we can take right now, Martin, because we have about yep. 20 minutes. We have five callers. So the next caller is – let me make sure I press the right one. We have Carrie from California. Carrie, you're on with Martin Willis. Oh, Carrie. Hi, hey, Carrie. Martin. How are you? Hi, Martin. I'm fine. Good. Good to hear from you again. Um, my pleasure. Always a great show as usual. It's Thank funny you. this uh, thing here about disclosure. Um, talk about synchronicity. Um, yesterday on a really great station, KGRA, uh, Linda Moulton Howe and John Burroughs was interviewing George Knapp. And, um, you know, they were talking about the disclosure, disclosure. And George Knapp, of course, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. And he was saying, really? Everybody says they're ready for disclosure. He goes, would you be ready if we came out and found out that reality is not really reality that we think we are? that we are being influenced, that this is nothing like, so I guess, sort of like the matrix. And mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way. With, you know, all the stuff that goes on at Skinwalker, the paranormal, the portals, what if this is all just the one thing? And that, you know, we're all looking for like beings from space or time or, you know, galaxies or something like that. When in actuality, I mean, it could be much more unsettling to many of us here trying to live our lives than if we didn't know what was going on. Hmm. And I never took it in that context. And I thought that was pretty interesting that you said that. I do too. And uh, I, who knows? It's very much a possibility, as, as much of a possibility as everything else, really. Well, I know. With all the weird stuff going on at Skinwalk, I mean, it just brings in so yeah. many things into this you know, phenomena. So and, many different types of things going on in one place. Bizarre. Exactly. Really? Exactly. And they're probably all related somehow. You know, someday we'll know, but it's just like kind of mind boggling. Um, right. The other thing I was going to say is like, there's so many interesting things that happen down in uh, South America. Um, the gentleman mm-hmm. before was talking about interesting cases. Um, there was a great show on called Contact. I don't know why they took it off after one season, but they did a lot of stuff down in South America. There was like actually a crash site that they went up into the mountains and saw it where nothing was growing. The U.S. In, uh, military got involved with that retrieval down there. Uh, water in reservoirs disappearing and just real interesting stuff. But the last thing that they did that was interesting was Colores down in Brazil, if you remember that, where the uh, saucers were shooting down rays and hurting people. I don't mm. know if you ever heard of that one. No, I don't think so. Oh, it's a real interesting case. It was back in, I think, the early 60s. And they got to interview the nurse who were treating the patients. But the, the ships were going around and shooting down rays on people and causing burns on their skin. Oh, yes. Yes, I know of that. Yes. That was awful. And, right. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was really awful. And what they found out at the end, which they were going to come into the next season, is that all the records on the cases down there and everything that happened went to a Mr. Robert Bigelow. Hmm. Oh. They thought that was really interesting, and they were going to try and do that in the next season, but somehow they never got renewed. But uh, I think that's another interesting case because, you know, that kind of stands out. There's some hostility there, I would say. Yeah, if that's the right case I'm thinking of, I think someone involved in that um, went through a severe depression afterwards and basically committed suicide, if that's the one I'm thinking of in oh. Brazil. I think that's the same one where there were the burns and all that. But uh, Carrie, awesome. thank thank you so much for the call and your nice emails. Uh, Carrie lives lives in a town I used to live in out there in California, nice. so it's always good to hear from you, Carrie. Right. My pleasure. I still I, get, I still have to get you those pictures, which will happen one of these days shortly. 
Okay, I'm just having a little bit of trouble understanding. I don't well, know if it's the phone or or it's my headset. I didn't quite catch that. Oh, I said I still have to get you some pictures of out here. Oh, yes. There. Yes. Yeah. All right, Carrie. Thanks a lot for the call. Have a good night. You too. You yeah. too. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Okay. All right. We have Sam in Oregon on the Sam, line. Sam, you're on with Martin Willis. Yes, you're live. Hi, Sam. Right. Hi. Hello. Hey, Martin. Hey, Bill. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Good. Cool, cool. I got to admit, this is the first time I've came across your guys' channel. I'm a huge fan now. All right. Well, usually, right. I'm just producing Martin, and Martin has great guests on, but uh, we've been doing these open line calls, and all of you have been in tremendous with your calls, I have to say. Every call has been awesome, so... Thank you for calling in, Sam. Well, what's your question or comment to Martin? Oh, cool. I have kind of both. First, I want to give a shout out. I'm part of a really awesome UFO community, uh, kind of an offshoot of UFO Twitter. There's a Discord channel, uh, Reddit UFO, and then there's another one where we kind of focus a lot on uh, cases like uh, Chris Bledsoe, um, called it Bledsology. And uh, there we have a lot of really great independent researchers, and we've been looking into some of this stuff for a long time. And um, it's just really interesting to see the kind of bubble up now in the mainstream. Um, I have a quick question. I want to know if you guys are familiar with the Dorothy Isaac case. I'm not. Martin? Mm-mm. Boy, hearing a lot of new ones tonight. Kind of That's good. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of a tertiary character. But uh, there's actually a documentary about her on Amazon. Um, and essentially, she was one of the few people who was able to capture a lot of phenomenon on video. Um, actually, she was using, like, old film, you know. Uh, the old eight millimeter cameras, that kind of stuff. Sam, what's the uh, name of that documentary? Oh, yeah. What's the name? I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, um, Capture the light. But Dorothy Isaac, I Z A T T. Amazing figure. Um, her and another woman. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name as well. Uh, but we're all around the same time. We're able to capture a phenomenon that was unexplainable through their uh, their tiny little film cameras. Um, lights in the sky, all kinds of you know, really interesting stuff. But I mean, I could go on for days about that. Um, but since you guys aren't familiar with the case, I'd like to talk to you guys about uh, the connection between um, Chris Bledsoe. Are you familiar with him? Yes. Yeah. I met and, him. Yeah. Um, very, they seem like very similar people, Travis Walton and Chris Bledsoe on the, on the outset. Um, what have, have you guys drawn any conclusions about why those two cases are so similar or, or what that could mean? I never even thought of them as a similarity. Um, I remember Chris's story. He was out, out by a lake, I believe, or a river. Um, But I just don't remember all the full details. Uh, He was on this show, but early on back in 2012, I think it was. Um, So I'm a little rusty on the case, but I know there's some ongoing strange things that actually uh, John Alexander, I witnessed at his uh, property, strange things going on. Really strange. A lot of strange stuff. Uh, Grant Cam Cameron as well, like explaining, you know, very interesting phenomena. They got a burning tree there. Yes, the bleeding tree. Yeah, that actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's bizarre. Yeah. A stream of photographs that they, that they keep showing um, that even Tom DeLong seems to support. Um, very Skinwalker Ranch related. Mm. Now, to me, I mean, I, I'm, we're always struggling to figure out the physicality of this phenomenon versus like the interdimensionality of it and how much of it is connected to consciousness. Hmm. 
All all really great questions. It is. Yeah. You're a lot of uh, Martin. I can't tell you how many times as producer KGRA, this is coming up quite often. And yeah, I'm also one of those based on frequency, the metaphysical aspect of it, um, meditation, lucid dreams. I think all of this is intertwined. I really do. Yeah. And that, the more we look into it, the more it seems like that that's true. Yeah. There is a connection. They are intertwined. Um, and it really kind of, you know, kind of breaks the, the mold of this old idea that there's just these people similar to us on different planets struggling to explore their universe. And they happen to, you know, hit ours on accident and they're going to check it out. I think that that idea um, is starting to go out the water and that we're dealing with something that's so interconnected with humanity and consciousness um, that it'll explain a lot about what the universe really is. Now, I think that kind of vibe is going around a lot. And I wonder what, if that's true or if that's the direction this is going to go, how much the government knew about this and knows about this. And is that part of the reason why there's so much secrecy surrounding it that it doesn't necessarily explain our physical universe as much as it explains consciousness? But Sam, at the same time you're saying this, have you noticed in recent years the demonic narrative? Hmm. Yes, absolutely. It's all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all part of it. I mean, absolutely. So, actually, you may, you're making uh, great points and comments, by the way. Uh, to that point of the, of the demonic element to it, I think one of the most important pieces of pop culture um, that has come out surrounding this phenomena is the movie Signs. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Film, oh, yeah. Um, but, it, you know, we're dealing with a priest who lost faith, and then aliens come down, supposedly, and then, they, you know, he has to find his faith again through battling, you know, protecting his family. Now, a lot of film, a lot of people more um, beat me to the chase when they talk about the connection that these weren't aliens. They never show a spaceship. They never show, show technology that these were these were demons. This was a this was a man of God fighting demons, and that that connection kind of you know is such a uh, powerful yeah. connection. Mm-hmm. One that like when you really look at it and you really think about how old this phenomenon could be, and we look at like, hey, you know, were they talking about this stuff in ancient times? And you, you really get the sense that, you know, maybe this consciousness connection, this spiritual connection um, is connected to, you know, to this phenomena. And there, you know, there's something constructed, manufactured um, by the powers that be to keep us in the mindset that, hey, this is a science fiction thing. This is not a spiritual thing. But I actually think that it, this might be way more spiritual. We have two more callers, Sam. I, um, but I just want to say in closing. It's always about control. It's always about controlling the masses. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, you're on that. You're on to that. And keep up the great work and what you're doing out west. Yeah, thank you. All right, yeah, thank you. you have a great night. All right, Sam. Who do we have now? We have Joe. Joe in North Carolina. You're on with Martin Willis. Joe, we got we've hey, got uh, a couple of minutes. So, how you doing? Welcome to the show. You're live. Pretty. Pretty good. I'll make it quick. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I've been listening for about three months now, and I just love your show. So thank well, you guys. Thank you very much. I got an encounter story that I wanted to share, or not an encounter, but just a sighting. Um, back in 2003, I believe, I was probably 10 or 11. We're sitting in the pool in the backyard, um, originally from Santa Cruz, California, looking up at the sky. My mom's telling me how you could see the ISS go by sometimes and satellites and whatnot. Yeah. So we're looking up and we think we see one and we see it going and then it stops. It disappears, reappears in the same spot, this little light like a satellite. 
starts going back the other direction, stops, disappears, mm. reappears. It does that five or six times. And then it finally just kept going the other way from its original trajectory and we kind of lost it in the sky. Um, and then I was telling that same story to a girlfriend about a year ago and we're looking up at the sky and I'm pointing at the sky and telling her, kind of giving her an explanation. And we see this light we thought was a satellite, but it was just speeding across the sky. I've never seen a satellite that fast. And then on a dime, it made a 90 degree turn and started going the other way. Instantly. Yeah, it's probably not a satellite. I, I mean, I can't explain it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, actually, yeah. I've seen something like that happen. And I didn't want to say that I saw a UFO because I was because I just thought, well, I had a UFO encounter. Should I really talk about another one I had? Uh, so I'm not I'm not sure what I saw, but I saw something stop and all of a sudden go on a right angle turn. And I don't know what it was, right? but it was bizarre. The and only thing bizarre. I will say, there's a lot of people and if that use drones today. I'm just saying, there's a lot of people that use drones today, and they outfit them with lights. Um, I'm just saying, I'm not, you know, because I have to be skeptical. Because even me, when I'm doing my sky watches, if yeah. I see something like that, and if you've seen what some of these drones can do, the the, the ones you can purchase, no, you're right, bro, they can. I don't think mine was a drone though, because it looked I'm like upper saying, atmosphere. I know, I know. I'm but, just saying, you actually, have to take everything into account. Yeah. That's I actually right. have a drone on the way. It'll be here <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, I have any drone. But, but the only thing I can say to that is that the original sighting was back in 2003. So, mm, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't claim that it's a UFO or anything. Right. I just know that it was so small. It mm. had to have been way up there. I mean, right. really, really small. You almost couldn't see it if you were looking right at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Thank and, you for uh, calling. All right. Joe, have a great night and make sure to call back again sometime soon. Yeah, Joe, thanks for the call. Have a good night. Just think, Joe's drone is going to be someone else's UFO. I mean, no, but... uh, Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've seen this drone in in a city, and it just shot up and stopped. And it's like, oh my God, just like what you would consider a UFO, the move of it. The thing is, though, swamp gas, Chinese lanterns, now drones, it's always something. It's always something to replace. It's going to get more, more and more and more. We're going to get more. All right, we have our last caller of the night. Eric from Hawaii, you are on with Martin Willis. Hawaii. Aloha. How are you? You're live. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric. coming through, okay? Yeah, you're coming through. Go ahead. You're on with Martin. Awesome. So uh, I'm calling in basically just to share my UFO encounters. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great. Let's hear it. Let me turn my stream down. Okay. So, you know, uh, New Year's Eve, 2012, 2013, um, a, a friend of mine, you know, a, a roommate who's now passed away, um, we went down to Hilo um, about 1130 thinking, oh, we'll go catch the fireworks. And, you know, because we had never been down there, and I'd lived in Hawaii maybe four or five years, but I didn't realize there was no fireworks on New Year's Eve. There's just no public display. But on our way down there, we were watching, uh, you know, uh, homeowners were setting off some fireworks here and there, and we could see coming down the mountain. It was kind of neat. And uh, I'm sorry, let me turn off my stream. It's distracting here. So. Uh, 
we saw what appeared to be like a uh, Chinese lantern in the distance down the mountain. And I was pointing it out because it's interesting. You know, it looked like they maybe had it tied into a tree and like maybe a fountain or something underneath it was tied to it, spraying all around and stuff. But, uh, oh, wow, that's really cool, you know. And uh, it kept rising up. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, that, that that's a pretty mean Chinese lantern. It, it has enough lift in it to, you know, lift some other fireworks. So I thought, well, let's pull over and check this out, you know, because it was, it was going up in the air. And actually, it wasn't really rising. It, it looked like it was rising from our perspective, but it was actually what I thought blowing towards us, you know. But after getting out of the car and we're standing there and it's it's actually we're in a misty spot above Curtistown. I don't know if you're familiar with Hawaii, but uh it's about about twelve miles up the mountain. And uh as it got closer, I realized, well, you know, that's not a fountain. That's LED lights or something. So I thought, oh, well somebody really got inventive, you know, and just strapped some lights on there and are twirling around and stuff. But you know, this thing just kept getting closer and bigger and closer and bigger until I realized, you know, that's not a Chinese lantern. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we realized we were looking at something we'd never seen before. And it was just chilling. You know, I, I came to the sudden realization that, hey, you know, the joke's on you. Everything you heard was true. You know, they're here. And uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll make this a little shorter, but the encounter lasted maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. That's pretty long. Yeah. Seven of them go by. And they all came within, you know, each one came a little closer. It was like they were shooting uh, red scanning type beams, I would say, underneath the craft. Hmm. And uh, they looked uh, like raindrop shaped. But they were definitely light beams, kind of like, uh, looked like a hologram. And they were spinning around in a circle. So w what we could see up close was inside these orbs, there was a saucer, you know, a classic uh, 50s style disc, uh, gray, you know, and, uh, but we could see through the orb, we could see through the saucers, we could see through everything. It was just really outrageous. And as the saucers were like uh, uh, spinning like a top, I would say gyrating, a gyroscopic motion, um, like they were about to fall over, you know, like a, a top is about to mm -hmm. fall over mm -hmm. and they're wobbling around. Well, that looked, appeared to be controlling the beams underneath and directing them. So as they were wobbling, they were traveling, you know, the it's hard to explain. The orbs were s super stable very stable, traveling at a very slow speed, while inside there, there's uh, the discs were raging in this gyroscopic motion and doing all these uh, control functions with the, the scannings underneath. So each one that went by was a little bit closer. Well, I'm sorry and to say this, but we're, I, I hate to cut you short, I really do. But we are totally out of time, and another show is coming up on KGRA oh. Radio. So I want to thank you so much for your call. I and appreciate Eric, it. feel free to definitely call oh. back. Call back again to Martin's show, and uh, I'm sure Martin would love to hear the continuation of this account that you had. 
Yeah. And by the okay, way, well, definitely. I, I do have a part two. Okay. The second okay. Have yeah, a great night, Eric, and thank you for calling. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Right. And right. by the yeah. way, on my uh, podcast website, podcastufo.com, I do have an anonymous form for people to fill out if they'd like to if they'd like to explain their UFO sighting. There's some great ones on there. Thanks so much, Bill. You really helped out tremendously tonight. It was a and lot of fun. thanks to all the callers. Excellent yes, callers. thank you, callers, for, for calling in. We couldn't have done the show without you. Thanks so much. And we'll be back next week with uh, Don Hyden, an antique guy that had a Tic Tac UFO sighting. Thanks again, Bill. And remember everyone to remember everyone to keep your eyes to the sky. Goodbye. Good night.